It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book, where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagine existed, from same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers. And now introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to open an account. Bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. And if you have questions or concerns about gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. On today's show, we'll get to Patrick Kane signing with the Detroit Red Wings. The big trade board. Put up by uh, Big Money CJ. We're going to get to all of the players on that. And the fact that the top is very stacked with Calgary Flames players. But first, let's get to Corey Perry. Uh, The situation as it is right now. uh, Corey Perry, his contract terminated. uh, A press conference earlier this week. Much talked about with uh, Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks GM, addressing uh, Corey Perry. And uh, the unfortunate rumor that circulated. Uh, as a result of uh, all the speculation that came from last week's events. There's a lot to get to with Corey Perry. I would love to know your thoughts on where we're at right now with him no longer being on a team and the press conference as well, and anything else in terms of analysis you feel is relevant to bring up with the story because there's a lot to unpack. Well, it's pretty clear the situation put a pretty big strain on the the organization, on Kyle Davidson himself personally. I mean, it was... You know, he grew pretty emotional during that press conference, Julian, um, you know, kind of blaming himself, I think, on some level. I mean, he was the one who, who brought in Corey Perry, a lot of talk, you know, about him mentoring, you know, a young team and Connor Bedard specifically. And and obviously, you know, something's transpired here that that crossed the line to the point where, you know, you're now talking about a player that has probably a borderline Hall of Fame um, case, you know, perhaps ending his career this way. I mean, we'll have to see if someone signs him, but you know, I think the feeling inside the, the Blackhawks organization naturally is that they have to be above repute um, given the, you know, where they've been. It's a completely new management team in Chicago. Obviously none of the players that were around uh, 
you know, back in the era of the, the Kyle Beach situation are there, you know, Stan Bowman lost his job. Uh, Joel Quenville lost his job. He'd moved on to Florida. You know, we know the fallout from that, but, but even in the wake of, of, of that and, and many years later, I think the Blackhawks obviously are very sensitive to employee conduct and, and, you know, how everyone goes about their business. So, um, you know, pretty stunning turn of events, I guess, for those on the outside. Right. I mean, uh, this, this all kind of unraveled quickly, you know, from where Corey Perry took a morning skate before a game in Columbus last Wednesday, didn't play in that game. That was, you know, when, when the organization, um, you know, first learned, uh, or at least Kyle Davidson learned of, you know, what happened with Perry. And then they did, they conducted their investigation. And, um, you know, now I guess from the business end of it, you know, Perry does have an option for 60 days here to, um, grieve the, this, the, the, the decision to, to terminate his contract but you know even in that case he would just be doing it to you know to get the money back potentially versus you know it's not as though he's going to have to be reinstated on the on chicago's roster so yeah it's uh it's a tough tough one and it's it's a tough one to talk about too of course because we don't have full full view into what went on here either well that's the next question i was going to bring up because i know people are going to wonder about it we know in the statement from the team uh, I'll, I'll read part of it here. The Chicago Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of his standard players contract and the, and the Blackhawks internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environments. And Kyle Davidson was straight up asked if there was any criminality to what had happened. And he just said it was just a workplace matter. How likely is it that we're ever going to figure out what Corey Perry did to be put in this per in this situation? I'd say it's unlikely we'll know the, the full extent of it ever. Um, because I don't see a lot of reason. I mean, now now kind of what's done is done. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's it's as you say, it's not a criminal act. So it's not something, at least the expectation from where I sit is that he's not going to be arrested or anything. So it's not anything that'll that'll kind of go into the public record that way. You know, obviously the the Blackhawks are moving on. I mean, they, they've they've terminated his contract. They're playing games now. Um, you know, they made a trade for Anthony Beauvillier to, you know, try to, to bolster their forward group a little bit. And so that they're moving on. And, and I imagine, I guess it would only be if Corey Perry felt the need to say something and address it at some point in time. And, and, you know, I don't have a lot of insight into, you know, where he's at, if he could play again. I mean, remember his, his agent, Pat Morris over the weekend released a statement saying that he had stepped away from the team to deal with a family matter um, or personal matter. I believe that they called it. So, you know, I'm not sure where he's at. So, so the truth is, is I don't think we will know, you know, it, it was not by coincidence. I, I don't suspect that Kyle Davidson did brand it though, a, a workplace matter. And, and, you know, really what this did is, is clearly violated, um, you know, the, the Blackhawks code of conduct, if you want to call it, you know, the, the rules by which if you work for that organization that, that everyone has to adhere to. And, and, you know, that's the foundation essentially for terminating his, his standard player contract that, that the, the team went ahead and did. So, you know, if you look back over history, there's been a number of contracts that have been terminated. You know, everyone from Slava Voinov, uh, Mike Richards back in the day, obviously Evander Kane um, more recently here in, in San Jose. I mean, in Kane's case, he did end up going on having a career. But in, in large part, when you've seen this happen, usually it's the end of the road for a player because it's obviously pretty serious to get to a, to a situation where, where, you know, your contract can be terminated. How do you feel about how Chicago handled this entire situation from a PR standpoint? There's only so much we can say internally, but just from how they first brought up the situation, 
how they may have handled the rumor uh, about Corey Perry. What are your thoughts on how Chicago handled this situation? Well, I'm I'm somewhat more sympathetic to them than I think the average person might be. I think sometimes when you're in the middle of something like this, it, it can be, I mean, first of all, they're dealing with the situation, right? Like the most important thing truly is to, to is how they handle it. And by all accounts, I mean, it's hard to, to criticize. They learned of an incident that took place. You know, they immediately removed Corey Perry from the team. They obviously did their investigation and within days, um, you know, his, his contract's been terminated. So, I mean, they, they, it, it does appear again with our limited knowledge of what occurred that they, they took it very seriously and, and handled that well, you know, I think managing the message could have been done a little bit better. And I'm sure when they kind of go through their debrief, you know, Kyle Davidson was saying he feels like he wears it, that there's, you know, this, this awful rumor takes, you know, takes brings on life and, and, you know, obviously puts a lot of strain, I'm sure on Connor Bedard and his family, given the nature of what was being said uh, in some places. And, you know, I think maybe they could have been a little more proactive right from the beginning and said that, you know, Perry, like, I think they should have said more because to me, it was the vacuum of information. It, it, that's what it got filled with other crap. And, and to be fair, there's like one main rumor, of course, and, and to the point that Kyle Davidson addressed it by saying, you know, that, that whatever happened didn't involve any of the players on the team or, their, or members of their family. Um, but there were lots of other rumors, too, because there, there was so little information uh, swirling about out there. And, and I think that made it, you know, it, it took it to another level. Like, I'll tell you, I was taking the subway the other day in Toronto and literally someone walked up to me who I don't know. And he's just like, did Corey Perry do it? And I, I don't even know what That's do insane. it. But like, it, it felt like it. I mean, obviously people do ask me stuff on the street sometimes who to leave trading for or whatever, but like it, it just, it, it sort of like reached a level of general consciousness. I don't think it would have, if, if maybe they, they could have been more forthright. I mean, maybe, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Maybe they could have come out and, and said right away that, He's dealing with a personal issue, but then, you know, the counterpoint to that, because, because if they had to said that on the first day, I don't think people would have dug into it as much. Right. I mean, you would have been like, okay, I hope everything's okay there. And, and, but then, you know, people might've suggested when they found out that he later gets his contract terminated. Well, they were just, they were burying it at the start. Right. Like, like I think it is kind of a lose lose because what they said is organizational decision right from the beginning. Right. He's not with the team for the foreseeable future. Organizational decision, like they were making it clear without saying what he did, that they that this was their call, that they were on top of it, that they were weighing punishment. I think was implied, and then everyone was going to say, "Well, what would he be punished for? He just played this game here." And so I think it was a really tough spot for them, and I honestly think they handled it about as well as they could. I just think it's unfortunate that you know I, I don't know what the lesson is here because you can't come out and say on the first day, well, he did this thing. Cause they don't know, right? Like they actually have to go through a process to figure out what happened and, you know, probably talk to multiple parties and all that and, and weigh the information. Um, and it's the middle of the season. Like everyone, you know, all the reporters that cover the team every day, saw him take the morning skate in Columbus. And then all of a sudden he's a mystery scratch. I mean, the circumstances really um, were unfortunate, but I guess the, the, the truth is, is I think the more truth you can tell the better. You know, I'll give you another quick example. It's, it's, it's not a parallel in terms of what's going on, but I feel like there's a, a lot of conspiracy theories out there around John Klingberg with the Maple Leafs. And part of that, I think, as I reflect on it, is that, you know, they didn't talk about his injury situation in the lead up to when he, he went away too, too much. Like, just all of a sudden he's gone, right? 
but the more I've learned of that, I mean, he, he has been dealing with a hip issue for some time. He got injured in a game on October 19th. He's been trying to play through this injury, you know, gamely, and it's not going well. And so then everyone's like, well, he's struggling, and now they're making him disappear. It's like, no, it's just the, people didn't have the information all along. Uh, and so I think then it, it, it all, you know, people jump to conclusions, I guess. A lot of people do. And so I think the more honest you can be, the better and as quickly as possible, because in a lot of these situations, there's nothing to hide. I mean, the only thing to hide in the Perry situation is to protect, you know, anyone else that was involved in, in the situation that let his contract, um, you know, be terminated. But they, they didn't have anything else to hide. They were they, they removed them from the team. They did their investigation. They terminated his contract. Um, anyway, it's it's unfortunate. And I don't know why these rumors start, where they start, but unfortunately in the way information can move around these days, I, I, I think to some degree it's a little bit unavoidable. Yeah. I, I have, there's a lot to unpack from, from that. I think a lot of, Sorry, that was a made. long answer, but I mean, my, my no, brain's going in every direction. Totally understand. Uh, my, my thinking is like the particular rumor that we are discussing here, this is something that like, you know, I'm sure you had, you had heard about for, for days uh, people in, on the ground in Chicago had heard about for days. The fact that it had gotten to a point where media people heard about it, like it's not by accident that Chicago had to go out there and say, hey, this is not true. And the fact that it got to a point where it surfaced online and people ran with it, I consider that a failure on Chicago for not not stopping that rumor a lot sooner. The fact that it got to a point where it was only this week where we saw some media outlets say that it was not true and then other ones followed. And then Kyle Davidson has the press conference and says, okay, this is not true. I think they're way late in that process. First off two, I, I don't know if this is incorrect or, or correct or not. I just for remembering from when we did the athletic hockey show earlier this week, and we had Mark Lazarus on my understanding was, is that I don't think there were any reporters who were there on that Columbus trip because it was so close to Thanksgiving, which makes this uh. so interesting. Yeah, that makes this fascinating for me because if there was a reporter around, I'm curious if the situation had happened out there in the open for someone to see. My understanding is, and you know, if, if it turns out I'm wrong, but you can go back to the Monday edition of that show when we had Mark Lazarus on. I believe he did say that there were no reporters who traveled on that specific part of the trip. So it doesn't seem as if like there was any reporter who would have been able to like been able to ask immediately like what's going on it was a very strange situation from the get with that um not not to I, I just going off of what we remember from the monday show but this was just such a strange strange situation which only right. so I that's the wednesday that's yeah. thursday's thanksgiving and then they're playing a friday afternoon game at home against yep. the leafs on black friday and he's not playing again and so it's picking up steam i guess Maybe the weekend is when there was a chance, right? Kyle Davidson did meet reporters yeah. in Chicago on the weekend and really didn't say very much. Maybe there he could have said this is a workplace matter, something that would have deflected it away. But um, the last thing I'll say about that too is is just we can't forget about the fact that this is Chicago being implicated in all of this. Is this is if this is another organization that doesn't have the history with dealing with very serious situations we probably look at this team and judge them very differently for how they handle the situation. I don't know if those same rumors spread, but the fact that it is Chicago and they have so much work to do to basically replace their image, which has been tarnished by this Kyle beach situation. 
I think that plays into uh, the criticism that's being thrown their way, and it is justly deserved on that part. Uh, there's a lot to unpack from that, but I, I wanted those points to be made. And it was a preposterous rumor, though. Be better, people. It was an absolutely Come preposterous on. rumor. It was. But let's move but on. People, I don't want to give it. I don't want to give it any more life. But I just, it was ridiculous. We don't have to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that's as much as we can cover on this particular situation. Uh, we do have a lot to get to on the CJ show, so we'll get to sports interaction, and then we'll talk about your uh, first trade board of the season. A lot to get to with that here on the CJ show. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Patrick Kane uh, joins the Detroit Red Wings. We already have uh, on the Sports Interaction website total points by Patrick Kane in the 2023-2024 regular season. The line is set at 35 and a half over under. Either way, odds are at 1.87 to 1. What do you got, Siege? Well, look, he's going to return next week, you know, probably gives him an opportunity to play not quite 60 games, but high 50s. And if you look at his career scoring averages, even last season when he was playing on one leg, he scored at a rate that would put him probably above that that line. So, I mean, the big mystery box we're all trying to navigate here is how healthy will he be? How close to his former self will he be on the other side of a pretty significant hip surgery? Um, and, and we don't have that answer, but I, I would be inclined to, to look at the over here. I, I think it's going to go well. The, the, the Red Wings have something good going on there. He's got a great history with the Brinkett, and obviously there's other uh, top uh, offensive players in that Detroit lineup. He's going to get power play minutes. Um, you know, I, I like his odds to, to make an impact on that team. I mean, we're, we're talking about probably the best U.S. born player in NHL history. And so, um, I'm an optimist. I'm, I think it's gonna gonna go well for for Patrick and, and the Red Wings, especially if he gets time with Alex Debrinket, right? Yeah, I mean that's what's the number? They 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 were together on a and like a ridiculous number of goals in their time in Chicago. I mean they 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 really understood each other. It was like him and Panarin back in the day when when uh, had had a great run uh, with the Blackhawks. But you know I think that that Patrick Kane sees the ice a certain way and is such a great playmaker. You know even if his mobility is not you know, where it could be. I still think he's he's going to be a, an offensive force uh, in Detroit. Okay. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. CJ, you wasted no time in putting together uh, your first trade board of the NHL season. That, uh, it's very packed on the athletic website. Yeah, that was it's a heavy lift out of the gate. I mean, there's there's a number of factors for that. First of all, the trade market is really still just taking shape. And so it's hard to get, you know, obviously I made a lot of calls and texts trying to get a sense of where things are at. And, you know, so many teams that we could talk about don't even have a player represented. You know, by the time we get to the deadline, you know, maybe they're trading a few guys. I think of a team like St. Louis off the top of my head. I don't believe there's any blues on on there. But maybe as they get close to the deadline, if they're out of playoff position, they're, they're selling some players. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a behemoth at the beginning. I think it came in around 3,000 and a little bit more words. So it was a lot of writing. Um, but I'm excited. I, don't, I, I actually thought it looked really cool. I'm not just saying this. that The graphic design team, I, I, you know, that, I'm not responsible for that at all. But I, I think that you start to see what, how the possibilities for something like that 
when it when it looks that way is like we can now just like move guys around really easily like i i could see a world where we're like updating this thing in real time in the not too distant future like where we're just like moving players in and out on almost like a daily basis or or moving you know certain people based on information up or down and um yeah so it's the next evolution i'm i'm, I'm pumped to to get it feels good to start you know what i mean when when you start somewhere yeah. and now it's like okay we know this isn't perfect we're trying to reflect the information we have there's like there's a little bit of art and science to it right it's a little bit of a blend i'd say uh and we could probably talk about the first four players on the list right because that's i i put together trade boards at, at my previous employer for a couple of years so I, you know i've been doing this for a couple of years i don't think we've ever ha- that i've ever been part of one that it has four players all from the same team at the top of one let's let's get to those four players some people Number didn't one. like that by the way oh really why not i caught a little heat on that I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm like, first of all, tell me four players that you're with a high degree of certainty that are going to be moved by March 8th that are better than those players. The four players, by the way, uh, Noah Hannafin, number one, Elias Lindholm, number two, Chris Tanev, number three, Nikita Zadorov, number four. Hmm. They all play for the Calgary Flames. Interesting. That's like the four horsemen there of, of the Flames. But, um, you know, I just think that the Flames have made the internal decision that they're going to trade those players. I think that they're, they're already fielding calls on them. Like there's definitely interest already, you know, when we're talking three months out until the deadline and they're damn good players. Right. So I I think that other, of course, other good players will be moved in this next three months of, of, of trading activity in the NHL, but it's not entirely clear who those are at this point in time with certainty. And so I don't know. Again, it's it's not a perfect science, but uh, I, I kind of I like the idea of clustering them together because I think Calgary really, certainly in the early stages right now, kind of controls a little bit of the, you know, the, the the trade market in the sense that if they decide, hey, we're looking to deal one or more of these players in the near future, I mean, we'll we'll see trades sooner than later because you know obviously you're looking at the potential of four trades there, obviously two, two, you know, two players could go in one deal, but it's, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting. And so how they manage that and navigate that, I think will dictate kind of the rhythm of what happens here uh, in terms of trading activity in the next few months. A lot of people are linking an obvious trade partner in the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the history between Brad tree living and Craig Conroy, the general managers of Toronto and Calgary, respectively, Brad tree living, obviously spending all that time in Calgary before he moves over to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they are also in need of a defenseman. Uh, Bradtree Living has also made that clear. So how likely is it that Toronto and Calgary could be trade partners? I think there's a high degree of likelihood there that that could happen. It's not to say it's 100% because there are other defensemen around the league that the Leafs, I think, are looking at uh, at this time. I mean, it's it's been really unfortunate. I think the Leafs have had five different defensemen, you know, missed time with injury this season and they're at the 20 game mark. So you know, it was already potentially a position of need anyway, whether they were completely healthy, you know, Brad, you living is still a new general manager uh, with this organization, you know, probably would have got to the, a thought process that he needed to make a deal anyway, to, to address the blue line in some, some manner. But, you know, when you're down Lilligren, you know, it sounds like uh, the clarity is coming on Klingberg and probably won't be positive in terms of him playing again. And Mark Giordano goes out uh, with a, an injury now. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a strain on, on that team. I don't think anyone envisioned, you know, Simon Benoit and, and William Legison and Max Lajoie and all these players, you know, playing, especially this early in the year, as much as they have for the Leafs. So, you know, I, I think that 
you, you, you pair that with, with what Calgary has is some pretty good defensemen, all defensemen that Brad true living likes to a degree, because we know that he acquired them all uh, when, when he was the flames general manager. And so I, I think that to make that, that uh, connection is not a leap of faith. This isn't, this isn't the internet rumor uh, that's, that's, you know, people are trying to manifest into reality. I think that there is a lot of uh, smoke there and, and, you know, with this latest Giordano injury, you, you do wonder, is there an opportunity maybe to make that deal sooner rather than later, um, you know, to, to get at least one of the defensemen out of Calgary, if not two of them. Do you get the sense that Craig Conroy is in a rush to make a move? I don't get that sense at all. And maybe I'm basing that off of how he's handled the first few months on the job. I mean, he had the off season where the trade market didn't manifest itself and he really only moves Tyler Toffoli. And then at the end of the offseason, okay, you sign Michael Backlund, but it's been very slow in terms of how he's been able to uh, get some moves done together. Not necessarily his fault. There's some other exterior factors there, but I do not get the sense that Craig Conroy is rushing to offload these assets. And I also still wonder if his team's performance also plays a role in how he handles those assets too. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I'm just trying to like imagine a chaos scenario. Like what happened if Calgary reels off 10 straight wins right now? Um, Especially with the schedule that they have. I don't know if you've seen the schedule that they have leading up to Christmas, but like they played Vegas earlier this week, which is, I mean, that's tough enough as it is. They get Dallas again uh, for like the, what the third time in like a month, essentially (laughs) um, on, on today, actually on Thursday, Uh, Tampa Bay is going to come up with that schedule. Did you say bet? What did you just say? (laughs) What? I learned a new word from you this week, so I'm just like, yeah, man, bet, bet. You 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 did not know about the slang term bet to this point. Did I use it bet. correctly? It doesn't mean like I, cool I, or or bet's just like like if uh well, it's really just like another way of saying like okay or like all right like yeah I'll do oh. this or something like. So I was saying bet like yeah okay they got this they got the third time in a month for Vegas. Moving on. Uh, the Calgary Flames have a ton Sorry, of... You learned, I, just so everyone knows, I didn't know what bet meant, and Julian keeps using it in the group chat, and I had to look it up on, like, Urban Dictionary kind of thing, or, like, the, the slang. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And then I saw you tweet it yesterday afternoon, so... Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll try to find a way to create a segment where I teach you some millennial... Aren't you a millennial too, technically? I think by, yeah, by birth age. Are you Gen Z? Yeah. No, I'm, well, I'm like at the, at the end, end of millennial. Like I think 95, 96 babies are Gen Z. I'm like at the, I'm at the other end of the spectrum of millennial. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, the point ball. I was trying to. Who's getting traded? Po- What's going on? The point I was trying to make is between now and uh, the last possible, the last game before Christmas break. Here are some of the teams that uh, Calgary still has to play. They get Dallas today. Vancouver comes up on the weekend. There's a stretch in December where they get Carolina, New Jersey, Colorado, Vegas again. Uh, Tampa Bay and Florida are also on that are also on that stretch. And Los Angeles is the last team they play uh, before the end of uh, before the Christmas break starts. There's some other teams in there like Minnesota and Anaheim and stuff, but like. That's a really they're in a, they're in the midst of a really tough stretch. So when you say like, what if they win ten games in a row? Especially if they do this like now, that would very much like. What do you do in that scenario? If they play really good against these really good teams, like what do you do? 
Well, I think a lot of it is dependent on Danny. The players want to resign there. Is it the smart thing to resign them? I mean, maybe look, I, I know enough to know that I don't know exactly what the hell is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? So like, I would just say anything is possible. I, I I still look at these, these names. We we put four players from one team at at the top of a trade board this week, because we very much expect those players to be traded, but you know, maybe the next trade board that, that it doesn't look that way. If, if Calgary rips through this, just like murderer schedule and, and they, they somehow, you know, propel themselves up. I mean, they've actually played better of recent time here than, you know, that, that, that was starting to af- affect the feel the feeling of the trade board. Cause you know, it goes up on Wednesday, but it was, you know, I've been working on it for at least a week, a week and a half anyway, and, and thinking about it even longer than that. But you know, like where I actually, you know, had names on a screen and was moving things around and thinking about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting spot. I still don't think it's likely to happen. And to your original question, you know, is Craig Conroy feeling like he has to do anything in the moment? I don't, I mean, why would he, he's got all the leverage here. He has, he has the goods that other people want. Right. So I think he's in a position to set high asking prices. Um, and you know, you gotta be smart when you do that. If, if you, if you, you gotta be realistic about what you think each player should be worth, but if, if you can, if teams step up and pay you a big price right now, then you make the trades. And if not, I, I don't, there's not that much harm in holding on to them. There's only, you know, the small amount of risk that, you know, someone could get injured and you, you potentially like lose the opportunity to trade an asset that way. But I mean, you know, this is a gate, this is a sport where injuries happen. I mean, that to some degree, that's a little bit unavoidable or, or if it happens, you just say, well, you know, I, I don't think that that's to be worried about this far out yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think the flames are in control of the marketplace. I think that they can, can sort of ride this out for a little while. And then if they're winning games, maybe, maybe we're talking about them, you know, trying to double down and sign someone again. Right. I mean, they almost, they were this close to signing Noah Hannafin in October. Yeah. So, you know, that came within a whisker of already happening. Now it, it appears that Hannafin will be traded. You know, that's where I think it's going, but maybe something could change that, 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 uh, Get some back in the negotiating table. This is this is the fun of sports. What what about some of the other teams on this board as well? Like, I, there's, uh, I'm kind of curious about the Montreal Canadiens situation. You have Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau on this list, and I believe they also have Caden Primo up as well. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen with them and, and the fact that they're carrying three goalies? Is this like a sustainable thing? Are they going to move on from one of these guys? What do you think about that situation? Well, there's some parallels. I guess with Detroit, because they also have three goaltenders on their roster and James Reimer is, is one listed lower down on the list. You know, I think with Montreal, you know, they haven't decided which goalie they're going to trade. I think that's what's what's kind of interesting. You know, obviously, if you're carrying three goaltenders, uh, it's pretty self-evident. They didn't want to put Caden Primo on waivers because they, they had reason to believe or they had direct knowledge that, that at least one other team was going to claim him. And so they're protecting their asset. And here we are, you know, almost two full months into the season. And they're still protecting their asset, but there's only two there's only two nets on the ice at any given time. I'm talking when you practice, and certainly when you play. Of course, you're only playing one guy at a time, so it, it's it's a tough spot to have three goalies for a, a prolonged period. And so I think ideally, or or you know, the Canadians will trade one of their goaltenders. You know, what's interesting is Montembeau is a, a pending UFA, and, and you know, a little younger than Jake Allen. I, I think the Canadians would like to keep him, but you know, at what price is, is that possible? Uh, and so, you know, he might end up being the easiest one to trade because his performance has been pretty good. He only makes a million dollars this season and and it's, it's a rental for wh- whoever would be, you know, making that deal. 
Um, you know, Jake Allen does have uh, some no trade protection, limited no trade protection in his contract. Uh, he's a little older. He's, he's signed through next season. So, you know, uh, you know, teams maybe not as sold on trading for him. And so I think that that's part of the dynamic that's going on. And of course, Primo's just the less proven of the three goaltenders in, in that, in that team. He's played less, he is younger. And so, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to unfold. Certainly the Canadians have taken calls on their goalies though. It's not, not a surprise. I mean, it's, there's, there's, it's weird. There's a few teams that have too many goalies almost. And then a few places like Edmonton, where I, I think the Oilers are still really focused on trying to improve their goaltending. Things have obviously turned. They've had a nice week. Connor McDavid's jumped from like 90th to 10th in, in league scoring in a matter of days. Uh, did like a Superman, just like blasted through half the league. Um, but they, they still, their, their problems remain, right? And so, you know, I'm not necessarily connecting Edmonton directly to Montreal, but but teams that are looking for goalies know that, that Montreal is one of the ones to call. I think Detroit's another, and, and you know, we'll have to see how the Red Wings do it. They have a similar dynamic. James Reimer's on an expiring deal. They've got Alex Lyon there, who's kind of taken the net of late, but but did go six weeks at one point uh, without a start. Uh, and then Billy Husso is their number one. So uh, it, it's one of these, like it's goaltending is, is perplexing, right? If you don't have it, 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 you pull your hair out, but you know, some teams almost have, have too much of a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you can check out uh, the rest of the trade board at the athletic, by the way, a lot of good names on there, a lot of good teams uh, represented on that board. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we will be bringing up a, a 2.0, a 3.0 as the rest of the season uh, goes along siege. Well done, by the way. Thanks, man. I mean, it's it's a fun project. It's it's stress. It's stressful for some reason. I don't know why. Like, it's more stressful than a normal story. Put it that way. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that. Just because you want it to be right. I recognize it's people's lives. Like, you want it to be accurate, all that stuff. But um, yeah. I'm excited now that it's up. As I say, I think having having something to work off makes this future versions easier because you, you get really focused on, you know, who the, the players are that are in play. And, it, you know, by the time we get to the end of February and when we're a week out from the deadline, it's going to be pretty evident uh, who the who the main players are going to be as we get to trade deadline trade deadline trade deadline can't wait for march buddy uh let's go oh to detroit God. oh let's let's go to detroit real quick because i know we only have so much time uh patrick kane uh signing with the red wings i believe you got that first i did um i believe anyway you did get that first like you, you might have beaten out like Frege by like a couple seconds well, I, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's interesting choice. We've been on this one for a while. If you you never, also actually, predicted you'd go to Detroit, too. I asked you for a prediction, and you said Detroit. So you also yeah, got that right. That was my sense. Obviously, that was a, an educated guess, we'll call it. Still a bit of a guess at the end, though, because obviously there were teams that uh, had discussions with Kane right to, towards the end. Uh, you know, it sounds like it was a pretty exhaustive process, you know, in, in the final analysis I think that there was maybe eight teams that did at least a Zoom call with with Kane, and and we're not talking the quick like, "Hello, I'm Patrick, I'm GMX." Like, you know, it's it's going through where he would fit on their their roster, where those GMs or coaches see him fitting in the lineup, um, you know, where their team is at, what they might plan to do as the season goes along. Like, it, you know, those are we're talking forty five minute hour long calls, and then there's obviously a debrief, and so I think there was a lot of information taking from from Patrick Kane probably an extra week longer than, than everyone thought it would be before he made his decision. But, you know, Detroit fit for a lot of reasons. We, we've mentioned Alex to a lot. 
Um, I think he also had a really strong rapport from, from what I can tell with Derek Lalonde, their coach, and really, you know, liked what he heard uh, from him. You know, the Red Wings also had the most cap space among the teams that were, that were most heavily involved here. And, and I'm not saying that money won the day, but, but, you know, it was a factor, I think that, that a, they could sign them to a pretty good deal and, and B they have money left over now to, to make future upgrades to their team still. I mean, they, they didn't commit all their remaining cap space to Kane, whereas some of the contending teams might've only paid him a fraction of, of what he got in Detroit and, and had no money left over for, for other moves. So, you know, I, I think it fit on that level. You know, he played, some people probably don't know this that I'm around, but he, he played as a teenager in Michigan as well uh, for the honey baked program. Uh, one year had just ridiculous stats. If you if you want to, if you want to imagine a young, like 14 year old Patrick Kane ripping up at like 80 goals or something. Um, and then a, a couple years at the U S development program. And so I think he's comfortable in the city as he said in his press conference, I love the quote, you know, it's called hockey town for a reason. I think he's a hockey nut uh, is Patrick Kane. And yeah, I think it, it just, it fits. And you know, what'll be interesting is, you know, there, there is some understanding here. If the Red Wings say fall out of a playoff spot, um, you know, Patrick Kane got a no trade clause as part of this, but you know, there, there is a world where if this doesn't work for whatever reason, I don't necessarily even mean between him and the team, but if the, the Red Wings fall off, you know, maybe we're talking about Patrick Kane joining the trade board and uh, being oh, a player moved before March 8th. I mean, he, again, he'll have a say in that, but I think it's been contemplated. I mean, look, this guy's coming back because he wants to play for a team that has a chance to win. Uh, he hopes it's in Detroit and uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, we'll have to see how that goes with uh, one Patrick Kane. But uh, he at least signs with the team. Felt like we were trying to figure out where he was going to go for months. Months. Should have just been listening to the CJ show. I was telling you Eastern Conference. I was telling you Eastern Conference. I, you know, I think we did. I did. I wrote a story at the Athletic. I'm sure we talked about it on the show. I had the five teams I thought had any shot. They were all the ones that were in it, sort of right to the end. So. <laughs> humble brag love but i'm just saying I, lo- I love it when cj i love it when cj puts the chest out be like i told you well i'm just saying we're not just here to to you know goof around about bet we also get we <laughs> also drop a little knowledge between our goofiness yes of course <laughs> but you gotta listen closely because it's not constant it's only it's only here and there we'll drop the odd nugget that 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 gives you something you know High-level knowledge darts from one Chris Johnston. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, stick taps. Um, do you have a stick tap? I think you go first. I can do that. Uh, for everyone who uh, has Spotify and has been uh, taking part in the uh, wrapped feature on the app, and they've been uh, posting uh, the podcast that they listen to, and uh, there have been a lot of people, at least in my mentions anyway, uh, who have been uh, tagging the CJ show and uh, saying that uh, they listen to our podcast. Uh, thank you. Stick taps to uh, everyone who has listened to the CJ show uh, throughout this past year. We really appreciate you. And, and some we of you listen every- for like hundreds and hundreds oh, of hundreds and hundreds, thousands of minutes. Yes. It's incredible. It's wild. I'll stick tap. Uh, I had someone drop in my DMs and mention that we have a group of people in Thailand that are like devoted listeners of the show. Thailand? So I don't have the whole story. I don't know if they're expats that live there. You know, probably reasonable to assume they might be North Americans that have moved there, perhaps, or working there. Um, but yeah, apparently we got a group of listeners in Thailand. So okay. if, if you're if you're giving it to all the wrapped people, I'm like, it's only fitting. I stick tap uh, someone out there all the way in Thailand listening to our show. Just again, it blows my mind. I 
because you record it, but you never really think about who's listening. Like when you're recording, you don't think of that, right? Um, I only know that my dad listens to every episode. Beyond that, I don't know who else is listening. Like, so, but so you're out there in Thailand. Figure that out. That's really fun. That's awesome. Thank you so much to everyone listening to whatever corner of the world you live in. It's always a, uh, it's an honor to uh, be a part of your podcast set list. So thank you. I appreciate it. CJ yes, appreciates sir. it too. And we all do at the STPN. And uh, that goes for everyone who uh, put up any show on the STPN on their wrapped or listens to it in any of the corners of the world, whether it's the Steve Dangle podcast, whether it's uh, uh, Agent Provocateur, Noxine Cax, Tim and Rainey show, uh, the, our basketball show, like all the programs that we got going on at the STPN. We appreciate your support from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for the Thursday edition of the CJ show. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll have ask CJ. And if there's other fun stuff that comes up on the show, we will be silly and goofy about it. And of course, provide you know actual news and notes uh, for CJ. I'm Julie. So long and peace. Enjoy your weekend. Bet. The Chris Johnston show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.